Well, good morning. It is great to be back with you. If you follow me, or more importantly, if you follow Tammy on social media, you know we just got back. We did an 11-day uh, motorcycle trip out to uh, the mountains of Colorado. Did about a little over 4,000 miles and had a blast. And one of the things that makes that trip very special that we get a chance to do every year is, is part of the group uh, is youth uh, leaders that Pastor Zach and I served with 20 years ago. And we've just been able to keep contact and connection and get to experience that together. One of the couples you'll see here is special to us. We had a chance to uh, lead them to Christ years ago. And every year we get together, they thank Tammy uh, for leading their teenage daughter to Christ because this young lady changed the trajectory of their family. And so it's such an encouragement. And, and you've experienced this, isn't it? There is such meaning and joy and depth of God-centered friendships and relationships that last through the years. And we had a chance to do that. And this year we had a moment, we were on top of Mount Evans, over 14,000 feet out there. And you'll see a little video here, just a, some prayer time together and praying for a couple of uh, in our group there that just through physical health weren't able to be with us on this day out there. The older we get, the more we tend to pray about our health. Can anybody relate to those things? Those become more predominant prayers. But Prayers through the years of, you know, prayers for our wayward children or difficult seasons in, in the marriage have been rich times together. There's a picture here from 2018. I brought him down to ride the Smokies with us, and we were praying for one of our dear friends, 30 years old. She's battling cancer. Uh, this last year, she passed away, and so the prayers this year were different for her husband and her kids and the sorrow that's there. And prayers for the struggles of life and the losses of jobs and aging parents and just the hurt that comes from life and the things that we live, those are the things that are there. And this wonderful group, I'm so grateful for them. I pray for Tammy and I, 20-some years, continue regularly, just pray that you just don't grow weary of doing ministry and time together. And there's a richness to that that's so powerful. It's a source, isn't it? Friendships and relationships, sources such encouragement enjoy, and in the midst of that, we get to ride some of the greatest roads in the, in the U.S., so it's a great time. But this is the Apostle Paul at the end of the book of Ephesians. This is the kind of sentiment that I'm sharing with you that I'm feeling that the, that the Apostle Paul felt towards the end of this book. He's going to close it out by saying some words to a group of friends that he's done life with for years. In fact, the book of, of Acts tells us a little bit more earlier about this amazing relationship. In Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul shares to this group of this young church, these men and women that he pray with him and encourage him. He says, listen, I'm going to be returning to Jerusalem. And this brings fear and anxiety in the heart of Paul because Paul knows if I go and preach the gospel boldly in this context, there's a good chance I may be imprisoned or it may even cost me my life. And so when Paul shares this news with this group of his close friends that are there, they it, it troubles their heart. And the Bible says they begin to weep over him. Acts chapter 20, verse 36 says it this way. And when he had finished speaking, he knelt and he prayed with them. And they all cried as they embraced and they kissed him goodbye. And they were sad, most of all, because he said that he would never again see them. And then they escorted him down to the ship. Can you picture that day, on that day, as they bring Paul down to the ship, tears in their eyes as they're waving in the ship fades off into the horizon, they assume they will never hear again from their dear pastor friend that's there. So that was what makes the book of Ephesians, this letter. Five years later, Paul sends them a letter, which we call the book of Ephesians, so special and so significant. And so this letter we're going to see, and we've done over these weeks that we've been studying this book this summer, right, has been filled with 
a lot of theology, a lot of concepts of who we are in Christ and what that means. But he's going to close out in our last few verses today in a very personal way, and he's going to close out with some encouragement to his friends. So that's where we're heading today. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 6. If you've got your phones, you can fire them up. Go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there. If you're new with us this morning, it's a great way to follow along. Uh, whether you're online or you're here, we're so grateful for that. So lexcity.info. Last week, if you missed, uh, TJ uh, preached on the um, putting on the full armor of God. If you missed that, I encourage you to go back. It was a great sermon. I think it's my wife's favorite sermon of the year. Uh, I never can compete with my own son. That's the challenge. But really solid on what does it mean to really, as we head into this next year, put on the full armor of God. I encourage you to go back and check that out. Well, here's Paul's final words in the letter, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. And he says this, and pray for me too, and here's the key, ask God to give me, now here's a question, what do you think Paul's going to ask them? This is what I, would you ask God that God would give, give me these things? Remember the context of the book of Ephesians, right? Book of Ephesians is one of four epistles that the apostle Paul wrote while he was in prison. And so the impact, I think, of Paul's words to us today are even strengthened by the context of where he's writing these things. He's writing from a prison cell. Now, when we think about that, you're like, wow, he's got some alone time and probably a nice little quiet place to be. Can I remind you maybe a little context, right? Uh, John McRae, uh, in his blog, writes it this way, entitled, The Stench, Pain, and Misery, Life in a Roman Prison. Let me just give you some context that, again, I think add depth to what we're going to study today. Roman imprisonment was preceded by being stripped naked and then flogged, a humiliating, painful, and bloody ordeal. The bleeding wounds went untreated, so prisoners sat in painful leg and wrist chains, mutilated, blood-stained clothing was not replaced, even in the cold of winter. In his final imprisonment, Paul asked for a cloak, presumably because he was cold. Most cells were dark, especially the inner cell of the prison, like the one that Paul and Silas inhabited in Philippi. Unbearable cold, lack of water, cramped quarters, the sickening stench from few toilets made sleeping difficult and waking hours miserable. Male and female prisoners were sometimes incarcerated together, which led to sexual immorality and abuse. Prison food, when available, was poor. Most prisoners had to provide for their own food from outside sources. So when Paul was in prison in Caesarea, Felix gave orders to the centurion that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So because of this miserable conditions, many prisoners begged for a speedy death, and others simply committed suicide. I paint that picture for you today because, again, when Paul starts this verse, and he starts by saying, I ask God for, there's a lot of things he could have asked God for. God, I want to ask you for my release. I'm unjustly imprisoned for simply sharing the gospel. God, release me. God, I want to ask for a different jailer. Bruno, he's cruel. He beats me. He taunts me. God, I want to ask for healing. My, my ankle wounds from these chains, it's rubbed my skin raw and it's starting to get infected. God, I pray for that. God, I'm asking for food from the local church that they wouldn't forget about me, even in the dead of winter. I'm cold and I'm lonely and I'm in constant discomfort. God, I want to ask you today for, for deliverance. See, nobody, we certainly, we would not blame Paul if any of those were his prayer. They all seem very justifiable and understandable. But that's not what Paul prays for. Go back to Ephesians chapter 6. 
Verse 19, and pray for me too. Ask God, here it is, to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. And I love this. What's Paul's primary concern? It's the gospel. The the focus of his life was the good news of Jesus. The teaching for him was to Jews and Gentiles that, listen, men and women, you're not saved by the law. You're, You're not saved by doing good works. You're saved by the grace of God. The work of Jesus on the cross. This was the thing that motivated Paul. This is the thing that kept him alive in some of the most difficult circumstances we can imagine. Paul reminds us too, right, that this should be really the focus of every believer. It should be the thing that inspires us and motivates us, makes us live differently on Monday through Saturday and, and deal with people differently. It should be the same kind of deal to know God, right, and to make God known. But The reality is where we are today, especially in North America, is far from that. Uh, George Barner research just came out uh, on this last one, and it it reminds us this. It says that 73% of all Christians feel we should be sharing our faith with other people. But the research also shows, but out of that, only out of that 73%, 29% or almost 30% say, listen, it's evangelism is the job of the local church and I don't have any personal responsibility. In other words, it's not my thing, it's for the church to do and those things. So it's no wonder, statistics would say this, in this last year, less than half of us have shared our faith with somebody uh, and how you can have a relationship with Christ. And so Paul just says this. Here's the encouragement, let me give you a little encouragement. The, the encouraging thing is for you millennials. Now listen, you get a bad rap a lot of times, but I'm gonna tell you, millennials are the only demographics that's growing in their evangelism output to people around them. So kudos to millennials, millennials uh, that you're rolling that way, all right? So here's the Apostle Paul, he just loves people. And he loves the difference that God has made in his life and he so wants people to and experience it. And so he has this, passion to share his faith. Now you may say, well, of course he does. He's an apostle, right? This is Paul. Paul's fearless. Uh, Paul's anointed. And uh, of course he would have no problem sharing his faith. But, you know, as I was studying for this, uh, for our time today, in these last weeks, a couple of phrases stuck out to me in ways that I had not seen them before that reminds me a little bit more insight into the heart of, of, of Paul. Go back to Ephesians 6. And I pray this for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan. And that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. And then go down to the last part of verse 20. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Twice, Paul says, my friends, listen. Of all the things you can pray for me, would you pray that I just have a boldness in my faith? (laughs) I'm thinking, Paul, you're in jail because you were bold and you had a conviction about your faith. I mean, you are one of the most bold people that I know. And he says, listen, I I need you to pray for me because Paul is just like us. Fear at times, right, rises up in his heart when it comes to speaking the truth, especially in our culture at times. Fear that comes, listen, (laughs) are my captors gonna treat me even worse if I say the name of Jesus? See, let me just play it safe. Let me just be quiet. Let me just do my time. That's the safest way to get out of here. But Paul says, listen, I understand there's a truth and that truth is gonna come at a cost. 
And so we ask those who are closest to him, would you just pray that I'd have boldness? Because in me is this timidity that's rising up. Pray that I would be bold with my faith. And if you think about that, what a powerful, powerful request that of all the things that Paul could pray for, rather than pray for relief, he prays for resilience. Think about that. It's what he wants. God, just burn this thing in me that I can't be forded. A boldness that comes that I share my faith in such a way. Paul had this amazing understanding to know this, that the sufferings of this world are temporary, but the gospel is eternal. So just pray that I'd be bold. Can you imagine? How about for us? Boy, if we had a boldness of our faith like that, a boldness that says I'm willing to speak the truth regardless of the consequences that come. And I don't know what you, that sounds so good, but in our cancel culture that you and I live in today, do you ever find your heart becoming timid? For fear of offending, for fear of being misunderstood, for fear of being labeled in the wrong way, if we're not careful, the timidity rises in and we just become silent. It gets easier to just keep quiet, do your job, and go home. And we fail to speak the truth. But the challenge is this when we think about our faith, right? I don't want to be misunderstood and I don't want to be thought as, as intolerant. But listen, if I believe there's only one way to heaven and you believe there are many roads to heaven, one of us didn't get into heaven. It's the challenge of what the truth comes in a time of our culture and, and where we stand. So Paul understands that. Same thing that you and I face. And he says, well, you just pray for me. Pray for boldness as we do that. Can I just say to you as your pastor, that, that's a prayer you can pray for me. Right? That God would just give me a, a boldness. Because for like you, right, these, these have been difficult days to navigate. It has been a tricky thing to figure out how to speak the truth and how to do different things. And one of my prayers is simply to be this, God, that help me to be bold in the truth and discerning in my opinions. Uh, my wife will tell you, I have lots of opinions. Uh, but the reality isn't it true. The pulpit isn't a place for opinions. The pulpit is a place for truth. So God, give us boldness in that and discernment on the others when to bite it. And truth is really the struggle, right? Truth is the struggle of 2021. The reality of this, when it comes down to truth, we either have two, two, two options, right? Either there is absolute truth that comes from God or man determines his own truth. These are only two options. Either there's a God standard or there's a self-imposed man standard that we have for our life. American Worldview Inventory just finished some research here for 2020 and this is what they found. 58% of adults surveyed believe that moral truth is up to the individual to decide. So 58% say, well, it's not a God truth. This is a, a moral relativism. This is a truth that I can determine for myself. Here's what's more concerning to me. Only 43% of born-again Christians still embrace absolute truth. Now think about that. So only 43 us who call ourselves followers of Jesus say, there actually is an absolute God truth and I'm not determining my own truth. So here's what I just want to encourage you. Paul's words are so profound for us. May we pray for boldness for our Christian leaders when it comes to the areas of truth, that we'd stand strong against the wavering waves of moral relativism that keep coming over us over and over. We need to pray for our teachers, Right? We need to pray for our kids workers and our youth workers. We need to pray for your life group leaders. You need to pray for your pastors at, your, at our church. Listen, that we would stay bold to proclaim the truth of God's word. And Paul says, listen, I'm not gonna deny to you, this boldness is gonna come at a cost. That's what I love about Paul. 
I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. If you're going to stand up against culture, it's, it's going to cost you something. Look what he says in verse 20. <laughs> he knows it. He says, I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassadors, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him. And I love the last little phrase, as I should. Paul says, listen, this is where it's at. This is as I should live. The truth of the book of Ephesians, where we've been studying all summer, it's been a reminder that before the foundation of the earth that God loved you, that God chose you and that God saved you. Because of God's work in your life and the power of him in your life, he gives you the strength to live a godly life. And so Paul just says that's as it should be. As a follower of Jesus, this is how we should believe. It's the calling of every believer that we, that we have. And then he closes out our book and our time together with the last few words. Paul gives some encouragement to the church. Verse 21. So to bring you up to date, right, the letter, it's been five years, you never thought you'd hear from me, so let me just catch you up. He says, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and a faithful helper in the Lord's work, and I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know what we are doing and to encourage you. Paul says, in five years, I, I'm gonna send my closest friend I trust this guy with my life. He's been with me through all these things. And I, and I want him to be able to share with you what's happening here, how God's moving. And then I also want him to tell a little bit about how I'm doing in the midst of this. And I love this as Paul shares these things. He says, I want you to be encouraged as the church because what I'm sharing with you is not a me thing. It, it, it's a we thing. I want you to be encouraged about how we are co-laboring together. I want you to hear this news and your heart to be encouraged about how we are sparing the gospel all around the world. Uh, how we are planting churches in different places and how we're encouraging believers. This was not, again, an Apostle Paul thing. He says, listen, I'm sending my dear friend because it is a church thing that we're doing. I don't know about you, I always get nervous when I know the name of the person more than I know the name of the ministry that they're leading, Right? The role of the church is not to promote the pastor. The role of the pastor is to promote the church of Jesus. And Paul says, I'm going to model this for you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to affirm. I'm going to publicly remind you about my amazing friend who has been with me, Tychicus, and all that he's done. It's not a Paul show. As he closes out, he says, man, this is a we show, not a me show. And he says, I, I, he says the church of Estes, and what I love about you is your heart's going to be so encouraged because you understand this important thing that we are co-laboring. Paul says, your heart's gonna be encouraged because my victories are your victories. When we see lives change, we all get to experience the joy of that. And so for you as Lex City, for us as a church family, I hope that's the case with you. That you're reminded this is a we thing that we do, that your heart's encouraged when you hear what God is doing. So when we share stories of what God is doing in India, you're encouraged because you understand we're co-laborers in this, that we do it together. When you hear stories of Guatemala and how, again, we're bringing kids out of poverty in the name of Jesus, that your heart is encouraged because it's a we thing that we do together. When you hear from our missionaries in Jordan, it makes your heart skip of an encouragement there. I hope your faith grows and your confidence in your church and your love for your church grows when we try to do things like Friday when we do this back-to-school parade where we're trying just to help under-resourced families in our city in the name of Jesus. I hope your heart says, oh, this is cool, something we get to do together. 
In November, we have got our, our yearly series called Be Rich, and part of that is missions-based, and we're going to have some of our missionaries that we support as a church that are going to come and share their story. And Paul says, here's what I know about my people in Ephesus, and I know about you. Your heart will be encouraged because we're co-laborers. What we do here impacts what they do in Jordan. The people that come to know Christ there are people that we get to be a part of. It's a we thing, and it builds our heart up in such a powerful way that you're part of something bigger. Here's what Paul, I just want you to remind you, listen. You're part of the family of God, and you're part of the movement of God. So he says, be encouraged with the things that you do. Now, that's such a powerful truth, and I know that truth has power because it's the one thing that the enemy is trying to divide us on and his greatest tactic to tear down the church, especially in 2021, all right? It's the old thing, divide and conquer, right? The old divide and conquer strategy, Webster defines it this way. To make a group of people disagree and fight with one another so that they will not join together against the one. Has that not been the tactic of the enemy in our country in this last year and last couple of years is to define and label? Because if we label, then we can, we can separate. Are you red or are you blue? Are you masked? Are you unmasked? Are you black? Are you white? Are you traditional? Are you contemporary? Are you vaxxed? Are you unvaxxed? I mean, you just create a label and now we can create division that goes this and Paul just closes out, says, when the enemy brings all this, can I remind you of the power of the we and what we get to do together? So as a church, can I just remind you and encourage you that we fight for one another, right? That we assume the best of one another, that we celebrate one another, that we have joy in the victories and your overcoming and your victories and, and your recovery and your ability to have freedom in places that you know we didn't experience it before. May we be united in that and may we celebrate the journey that we are on together. Isn't that truth? Because it is so true. Paul just says we just have to have this perspective. It's bigger than you. It's a we thing the family of God and the ministry of God and the mission of God as we do. So today, here's a great part. Today, we're going to get to do that. Today, as we can close out our service in just a little bit, we're going to have baptism. And part of it is we're going to get to celebrate together those that have placed their faith in Christ and today are saying in a public way, I'm going public with my faith. I want the world to know. And we get to do that. Listen, nobody today on the stories that you hear got there alone. It was a we thing. And the great part as a church family is we've had a role in so many of these stories and you've had a role by just being a part of what it is. And so Paul says, let this encourage your heart. Let it encourage you at times when you feel like your faith is dry. At times when you feel like you're going through a valley in your spiritual walk and you wonder, is God working? Is anything happening? He says, can I just remind you, you're gonna hear a story today and let that encourage your heart that God is alive and God is moving in our family, whether you feel like it in this season or not. So be encouraged about what God is doing. And that's the beauty of baptism and what we're gonna get to celebrate today. And so Paul says that, verse 22, I've sent him to you for this very purpose to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. And then the Apostle Paul finishes with this benediction that he prays over his dear friends. And so as we close out this time today, I, I want to just close in prayer and I want to just pray these words over you that Paul prayed over his family so many years ago. Let's pray together. And as Paul said, he says, may peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. 
And may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. So Father, today I I pray that prayer for my friends and my family that you gave Paul so many years ago. God, that at a time and a season of unrest and division, may there be a peace that comes only from you. God, may you give us a love for one another that is with faithfulness, which is just showing up and doing what we know to be right. And God, may your grace that is eternal be upon all of us who love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the example of Paul who valued relationship and community and doing life together. But as amazing things that he did in your name, God, I thank you for the humanity of him to say, God, the prayer I need today is just boldness. Help me to fight a spirit of timidity that rises up for fear of being misunderstood or mislabeled or mis... God, just give me a boldness to proclaim the truth of your word. So, Father, that's our prayer today. That when we walk into our workplace, our school, or in our home, and our spheres of influence, that, God, that you would give us a boldness to speak truth in love and in grace, but a boldness that comes from you. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for these stories and the lives that have been changed, and we can celebrate that today. In your name we pray. Amen.